Okay. Good evening, everybody. Um, can somebody will have to, my computer's behind me. So actually, I think what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna move. It's here in person. I'm actually going to position myself. Well, that's so good. Can you have a second, please? And we will be where we need to be. Um, just a moment. That's hmm. right. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, thank you for being, being here. We are going to begin now what is probably the most common aspect of um, brachos in terms of being multi one another when we uh, strive to fulfill, um, help other people to be yotzi with a bracho, which is being multi somebody when both the Mavarech, the person making the bracha, and the Shomea, the person who's hearing the bracha, are about to eat. So last week we discussed when one or the other is, when, when only one, when only the, the when the Mavarech, the person making the bracha, is not eating. And we talked about the issues uh, with bracha rishona in terms of the that the, there's no arvus, there's no responsibility because you don't have to eat if you don't want to. Um, now, Let's talk about what happens when we're both eating, and 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 as opposed to Birkas Hamazon, which was a little bit easier in the sense that it's a mitzvah that once you ate, you definitely you do have to bench, um, and then there were there were ramifications of that. But now let's go to um, what happens when we're both both the both are being both are being yotze. So, for those of you that have the book in front of you, we are on page one hundred and twenty. Um, we're in section B of this chapter, which would be chapter three, um, chapter, chapter, chapter three, section four, letter B, page two, 120. So on, on the basis of all that has been presented, uh, we can conclude that whenever two people wish to eat, a classical situation of Arvis exists, and one should be permitted to recite both the bracha rishona and the bracha Akrona for the other. Chazal, however, limited the, the ability of one to be moti, another with the birkas hanenin, when, when it comes to brachos of a, where, 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 a bracha that is on a pleasure, on taking pleasure from this world, to a situation where both sit to eat together and thereby create a common bond. Now that's the, that's the critical element over here. The, the issue is we need to find, there needs to be a mechanism by which my making this bracha is the same as your making of this bracha, so that... Uh, so that so that we can so that one can be motzi the other. So usually, when it comes to most brachos, that mechanism is what we call arvos is my responsibility to make sure that every yid is fulfills all of his the mitzvahs that he's obligated to do. I have a responsibility to him; he has a responsibility to me. That responsibility creates the mechanism, creates that possibility. When it comes to berachos hanenin, we're lacking in that because nobody you don't necessarily have to eat. 
It's something that you're choosing to do. It's on a voluntary basis. We talked about what about mitzvahs that you're doing on a voluntary basis, for instance, sitting in the sukkah or wearing tzitzis or other such mitzvahs. Okay, that was a discussion. That's, that's, that's true. That's a fair point. However, let's focus here on the Birka Sanenin situation. What is the common bond? So Chazal taught us that the common bond here would be that, uh, that we're sitting down and eating at the same meal. Which this is going to be, uh, this is going to give, give us some. We're going to require some greater definition and more and more um, clarity on this uh, going forward. Because um, what's considered at the same meal, that's not always going to be so easy to define. So let's uh, let's take it one step at a time. Okay. Um, uh, so again, we're on page one twenty. Um, page 120 toward the bottom paragraph, section B. Um, so Chazal, so the halachos on this subject are a bit complex, and we will therefore discuss only those halachos pertinent today, because the Shulchan Aruch does talk about certain things that were not common to us any longer. I'll just as a just as uh, by way of interest mention it to you. For instance, laying down on couches, which we don't do anymore, um, or that that type of thing. Those are those are those are not necessarily relevant to us today. So we need we need only to define those things that are relevant to the way we eat and the way we eat together, um, uh, which is which is different perhaps than what it was in the days of Shulchan Aruch. So common custom today differs somewhat from the halachas as stated in Shulchan Aruch, and therefore first present the halachas as dictated in Shulchan Aruch, and subsequently relate them to the accepted custom in, a pra- in practice today. So the basic halacha for a bracha rishon is as follows. Most foods, with the exceptions of bread and wine, are often eaten merely as a snack and not in the form of a fixed meal. Therefore, two people eating any food other than bread and wine must recite their own bracha rishonah. Ideally, they should each be making a bracha on their own. Bread and wine are most significant since people commonly sit together to eat bread and to, <coughs> and to drink wine. So, A, accordingly to when two people jointly eating bread or drinking wine, one may recite the bracha rishona for another. One says this one, it is one bracha for both people. This rule is further qualified by the manner in which the two are eating together. One cannot be motzi another, even with the brachas of bread and wine, unless both are sitting together. Two people merely standing together, a smorgasbord or something like that, do not demonstrate a clear intent to eat together. And as such, since they're not eating together, they cannot make a bracha together. Okay, so this 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 halacha this halacha um, we, we we have we're not going to talk about it right now, but but this halacha has broad ramifications. Um, uh, uh, for a lot, for for many situations. So, for instance, um, uh, uh, people sitting and eating in a restaurant. We're eating bread. We're all sitting down. We're not sitting at the same table. Can I make a bracha for people not sitting at my table in the restaurant? So, here again, the rule here is that you need to create a mechanism by which. One is responsible for the other. Arvus doesn't work here. Regular responsibility for another, for a fellow yid's doing of a mitzvah doesn't apply here because eating is completely voluntary. If we're sitting together at the same meal, so therefore I'm enabling the meal to happen, then it's considered that we're eating together. That would only be true if we're actually sitting at the same table. The only exception that I can think of to this would be the following. If you go to a chasana, 
or to a Sheva Brachas, where they have multiple tables in, set up around the room. So there, it is possible to say that there is a come where there we're gathered together for a common cause to eat that Sudas Mitzvah together, and one person can make a bracha for everybody. But just because we all happen to be sitting in the same restaurant, or or perhaps a more classical example, not so Nogea, well, it's relevant to ladies also, and perhaps in seminary, in seminary, or in the yeshiva, where you have a big dining room, there are multiple different tables, and everybody sits down at a table. Can one person make a bracha for everybody? It would seem they cannot, because you're not actually eating together. So that you're not, even though you're eating at the same time and you're all sitting down, if you're not actually at the same table, you're not really eating together. And therefore, you would not, that would not constitute, that would not constitute um, uh, something, a situation where one person could make a bracha to be motzi other people. Um, what I do see that where this becomes an issue, or or perhaps as people make a seem to see, it seems to me on the surface that there is a there is a a problem with the way people do this. Is sometimes people will gather. People are sitting at multiple different tables. They'll gather around one table to hear one person make the bracha for everybody, and then take their piece of bread, go sit down in their seat, and eat, and 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 take a bite. I don't think that that's correct. I think that in order to be Yotze the Bracha, you cannot be standing around. You must be sitting in the seat where you plan to where you plan to eat. It's not good enough to hear the Bracha and then scurry over quickly to your seat and sit down. If you're not actually sitting in your seat, then you would not be really Yotze with the Bracha of somebody else. Okay. So again, so two people, two people merely standing together do not demonstrate a clear intent to eat together. And as such, there's no mechanism by which one person could be motzi the other person. One person could make the bracha on behalf of the other person who is, even though they're both eating. Those foods which require a separate bracha in the course of a bread meal, um, for instance, desserts, that's going to be a big debate and a discussion that we'll have to have later, whether or not a dessert or a um, an appetizer uh, eaten before the meal is considered part of the meal or not part of the meal, and therefore do, do, does it or does it not require a separate bracha? That's a whole discussion in unto itself. But let's go with the assumption for the moment, for the time being, that it's not considered part of the meal. And as such, even though you're eating it at a sit-down meal, it requires its own bracha. So those are go- those types of foods are governed by the same rules as bread and wine because the bread and wine, the whole point of the bread and wine is that's something that we sit and eat together. And as such, there is a mechanism by which I can be motzi you because we're all having from the, we're all eating the same meal. So I'm just making, it's like I'm making a bracha on the meal and you're also eating from the meal. So you could also be yotzu that. The same thing would apply to these other things. The fact that they're being eaten during the course of a meal gives them the stature of a fixed meal. And therefore one may be motzi another with the bracha on desserts. Now, while the rules as presented above are the proper halacha, one who fails to observe them and listens to a bracha recited by another or any food need not repeat the bracha. So if you're standing in the kitchen and somebody walks in and says, oh, I'm so thirsty. And they take, they make a quick, they, they, they crack open the soda and they make a shahako. And before they make their bracha, you say, wait, 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 let me just open my soda too. And I'll be yotze with your bracha. And you listen to them making a bracha. And then the two of you stand around the kitchen and you drink your soda, right? That is not correct behavior. That is not the way you should do it. Really what you should do is, is make your own bracha on that soda. However, if you did do that and you listened to the bracha recited by another over any food, you do not need to repeat the bracha. 
And, that, and with regard to that, no distinction is drawn as to which foods are eaten or whether the parties are sitting or standing. This halacha is conditional, however, on two factors. There are two factors that will either uh, uh, facilitate or deny whether or not that bracha was actually valid. The mavarich must intend to eat as well. The person making the bracha has to intend to drink his soda, has to want to drink it. And both the motzi and the shomea must intend to join in the common bracha. You both have to have in mind that you that you have that you plan to eat this together. Um, although, although if you don't, if you're not planning to do it together, you're planning to uh, crack open that soda and then walk off to another room and go drink by yourself. You have what to do. They have what to do. They just you just happen to have been in the kitchen at the same moment when he was making when that other person was making the bracha. Now you want to go your way, and anyway he wants to go his way. That doesn't work. That bracha is that bracha is not going to that bracha is you're not going to be yotze with that bracha. There's no again. There's no mechanism for their bracha to work on your behalf. Not shomea ka'one, not any those that that will will not help in this particular situation. Um, okay. Um, all right. So now the halacha of bracha rishona as it's practiced today. So that's that's what, what we read till now is exactly the way how the shulchan aruch says it. How, now let's talk about how it comes out. It has become the common custom that even three people eating together recite their own bracha rishona. We mentioned earlier that when you have three people together, you have a, a concept of barov am hadras that when you gather more people, when more people unite to do something, it provides more honor to Hashem in a certain sense, and as it shows more honor when you act as a group as, as opposed to when you act individually. And therefore, we said if three people are going to be together, it is ideal as opposed to when it's two people and one and each one of you knows how to make the bracha. So we said the ideal is that each person makes his own bracha because mitzvah bo yoser mi b'shlucho. There is a mitzvah for you to do a do. There, there is a greater mitzvah for one to fulfill the mitzvah on his own rather than to have someone act as his agent to do it on his behalf. Having someone else make the bracha for you is using that person as your agent. They become, however it works, we're not, not for tonight's discussion, they become an extension of you somehow, and they become your agent to make that bracha. Okay. That were so when it come when there's only two people, we said better to do it on your own than to be have it done through the aegis of an agent. However, if there are three people, then it is better for one person to make it and to, to join all three people together because. That's what we call Rov Amahadras Melech, with more people, brings greater honor to Hashem. However, it has become common practice that even three people eating together recite their own separate brachos, bracha rishona. This custom is contrary to the halacha, which clearly states that it's preferable that one recite a bracha to be motzi others, as we mentioned earlier and as we just went through, right? However, um, nevertheless, the practice developed out of the realization that many people do not have the proper intention to be motzi one another. The reality is that that, in order for a bracha to be effective, or for me to make an effective bracha on behalf of somebody else, I must have in mind that I'm actually making the bracha for that person. And he must have in mind that I'm doing it for him as well. If we don't have that in mind, even though b'diyavid, once you did it, it's okay, and you don't have to repeat the bracha, but it's not ideal. So. Um, 
so 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 we have noted above that if the mavarich or the shomea do not have the proper intention, the shomea is not yotze the brachle. Shomea did not fulfill his obligation. In addition, many are not acquainted with the rules of hefsek of making an interruption, and they may speak between hearing the bracha and the tasting of the food. If you, somebody makes a bracha on your behalf in order for you to take a bite out of that apple, until you actually bit from the apple, you are not yotze the bracha yet, and if you would speak in between or do something else in between, it separates the bracha from the action. Now that action requires a new bracha. You have to do it regardless, right? So we have many situations where such things can happen, especially in my home. The kids are running around. Somebody else comes, somebody comes and interrupts. I see this happening many times with Havdalah. Um, people make Havdalah and, and, you know, it takes a minute to sit down and drink from that coast. You're balancing a very full cup. And all of a sudden you finish Havdalah and immediately... You know, the kids are off. They want to they go do their Motzei Shabbos thing. They're already discussing what their plans are. You know, they've been waiting, they're plotting all day to talk about it. So now, <laughs> the second Havdalah is over, they're talking about it before you even drank from the coast. And now you'll Havdalah when you do that. People may not be aware of this halacha of Hefsik. You're not allowed to interrupt. One place where I see it very, where I see this happen all the time, on Friday nights in Shul, we have a custom that we make Kiddush in Shul. Now, in a lot of places you, you, you'll go to, you will see that that custom has fallen by the wayside. It is a very ancient custom dating all the way back to the days of the Gemara. The Gemara suggests that it's a very good thing to do. And that is the reason why we, our shul adopted that minhag of doing that back in the day, back when Schwartz first became the Rav, that we, we adopted that custom of making Kiddush on Friday night and the little kids and come and they drink from it. Now, when you make that Kiddush, when the, when the Chazan makes that Kiddush Friday night, he makes a bracha bore priyagafen. Who's he making that Borei Priyagafen for? He's not doing it for himself because he's not drinking. The reason why he's not drinking, complicated for, for now, let's just, just, let's just take the facts. It's not Kiddush B'makam Suda. It's not having Kiddush in the place where he's going to eat. The reason why, why you need Kiddush in Shul is so that the, the, the custom used to be that the poor house, the place where poor people stayed overnight, was the Shul. And people stayed in the basic Knesset. There was a side room. They provided food for them. It was like that was the Hachnasas Archim apartment was right there in the shul. So that was Kiddush B'makam Suda for him. But it's not Kiddush B'makam Suda for us. So what do we do? The solution is that we have little children who are not of, of the age of doing mitzvahs yet. And then they preferably are not even of the age of Chinuch, right? They're, they're under six years old, right? So they, they are the ones that drink that wine. That means that when the Chazan makes Bari Priyagafen, He's making Bari Priyagafen on behalf of that child to be able to drink his wine, to be able to drink. To drink. If the Chazan ends off Bari Priyagafen, Aleinu l'shabeach l'dayanakol, what, what did you just do? You started Aleinu before the child got a chance to drink. Where did your bracha go on? You interrupted the bracha. The, the bracha there was the, the bracha couldn't go on, on the drinking. Even if the child himself didn't interrupt it, that's going to be a problem. That's where I see this, this happen all the time. So it's preferable to avoid these problems by having each person recite his own bracha, and that's the way, that is the better, that is the better way of doing things. The exceptions to the rule, of course, there's always got to be exceptions. So the exceptions over here are Kiddush and Hamotzi. The two exceptions to this custom where one person makes a bracha for everybody are Borei Priyagafen of Kiddush and the Hamotzi on the Chalo that you say right after that. These and only these brachas are instances where when one is motzi others with a bracha rishona. This is the ideal situation, is that one should be motzi somebody else. And although ideally when one is motzi others with a bracha, they should all be seated, one can be motzi others with a bracha, one can be yotze kiddush when all the members of family are standing around the table, that would be okay. 
according to the shittos and hold that you stand. That is the reason why in some places the custom is that either they sit for the whole Kiddush or they sit for the second half of Kiddush is because when you're making Kiddush, you should be sitting down because you want to be Yotze with a bracha. Okay. When, if the minute of that fam, particular ha- family happens to be, which is, I think, probably I, in my personal travels, I think it's the most common minog in the world, which is the, the most common minog is that people stand for the whole Kiddush. Um, I do believe that that is more common than any of the other practices that I've seen. So um, one, the, um, when everybody's standing, you could be Yotzin. Indeed, many have the custom to specifically stand during Kiddush and Havdalah. In that situation, all the assembled, however, must stand at their places, not walk around. Again, you know, Havdalah time, I see a lot of times kids have no patience. They're done. It's the end of, the end of Shabbos. They've, they've done a whole day. They, they're busy pacing up and down while you're making Abdullah. They can't wait to be out of there. Itching to get out of there. The second you finish, they're boom. They're out there. They're out that door, right? They take off, right? But meanwhile, till then, they're revving their engines. They're busy pacing back and forth. That's not, they shouldn't do that. Really, really, if you're going to be standing around Abdullah, not sitting, and some actually do have the custom to sit for Abdullah, um, but if you're going to be standing for Abdullah, then you should be standing in one place, not moving around. Now, Although one should recite one's own bracha rishona, one who listens to the bracha recited by another need not repeat the bracha if each had the proper kavana. Assuming that you all had the proper intention, you do not need to repeat. Even if they were not sitting together, even if you're not actually sitting at the same table, right? Providing that the mavarak intended to eat, as long as the person making the bracha intends to eat, you could be yotzu with his bracha. Now, with regard to bracha achrona, it's been noted above that the principles of arvus are more applicable to bracha achrona than bracha rishona. When we make a bracha achrona, that's because something that we have to do. We have a mitzvah, that after you've eaten and been satisfied, HaKadosh Baruch Hu demands of us that we should bench. That, that means that we, we should bench, means that there's a mitzvah of arvus now. Now there's a response, a joint co-responsibility that I have to see that all my fellow Jews also bench. Okay. So, one may, according to the Doraisa, to the Torah law, be motzi another with a bracha achrona, even if the mavarech has not eaten, even if the person making the bracha didn't eat anything, he could still be motzi the other person, because there's a mitzvah Doraisa to do it. We have also noted that Chazal, fearful that one may confuse the distinct halachas of bracha rishona and achrona, did not permit one to be motzi another in either of the two brachos. Neither bracha rishona nor bracha achrona, Chazal said, better to say it yourself than to have somebody else be motzi you. However, when both the Mavarach and the Shemeah have eaten, when we've both eaten a full meal, the problem of Arvus is resolved. Then there's certainly a responsibility we have to one another. The problem of the common bond of joint eating together is resolved, but here it's still a little bit of a concern because you're done eating. The common ground has faded away. In this respect, Chazal viewed bracha achrona as a greater problem than bracha rishona. When two people decide to eat bread together, they're creating a temporary bond between them, which enables one to emote another with the bracha rishona. Once they finish eating and are about to part, their bond has come to an end. So one, one should no longer be emote the other with a bracha achrona. And interestingly enough, when the mavarich is not eating, bracha achrona has an advantage over bracha rishona. The rules of arvis apply more readily to a bracha achrona, since one who has eaten is obli- obliged to recite a bracha achrona. Arvus cannot apply, however, to a bracha rishona, since one is not obliged to eat. However, when the mavarach is eating as well, the situation is reversed. Arvus presents 
no problem. The bond between them is the source of the difficulty. In the case of Baruch Rishonah, the bond is for, firm since they plan to eat together. In the case of Baruch HaKrona, however, the bond is weakened since they are about to separate and it's hard to look at them as being actually together. Now, so the halachas of Baruch HaKrona with regard to being motzi somebody else are going to be as follows. Ideally, one should recite a bracha achrona of one's own and not be yotze with another's bracha achrona, even if both have eaten. Preferably, you're supposed to say your own birkas hamazon. You should make your own bracha achrona. One who does not recite his own bracha achrona, but here's a bracha achrona recited by another, need not repeat the bracha. You do not have to say the bracha over again. The bracha is valid, but the evidence, once you did it, the bracha is your yotze with the other person who's making that bracha. Provided that each had the kavana for the other, again, with the caveat that we've used all along, that each one has to um, have has, has to um, uh, have kavana for the other. When three or more people have eaten a bread meal together, one may, motzi, one may be motzi others with Birkas Hamazan through what we call the zimun. The zimun is three or more people who join together for Birkas Hamazan. The zimun binds the three together into a unit. It, the fact that we have to make a zuman to, to, to join together to bench means that we are still interconnected and there's still an arvus that exists here. Thus, the usual parting element of bracha chrona does not apply. The issue that we're about to break the bond of togetherness and move apart, that doesn't apply over here. Zimun can be done only when at least two of the three present have eaten bread. Two out of three must have eaten bread. The third one, as long as he had whatever he ate, while the third ate large, at least some other food, um, then he could be mitzvah. Those eating only other foods, even if it's mazonos, even if it's cake or something else, cannot create a zimun. So you can only have a zimun when you have at least two people who ate bread and a third person that ate something significant so that he can join them. If less than two people ate bread, you can't have a zimun. One who is unable to recite his own bracha. If a person, for whatever reason, can't make his own bracha, never learned how to bench, he doesn't know how to make the brachas. Um, if, however, one is unable to recite either a bracha rishona or a bracha chorna on his own, he may listen to the bracha recited by the one who is also eating. He should go hear somebody else who's choosing to eat, and then um, he could be able to with that. A common rule in halacha is that any principle which is valid bidi'evad, bidi'evad means something that is valid once I did it already. In other words, if you would ask me, should I do this, should I not do this, I would advise you against it. If you didn't ask, you went ahead and you did something. And we say that since you did it already, so bidi'evad, since you already did it, you have fulfilled your obligation. So anything that... Um, that anything which is valid but you may be utilized when no other option exists in a situation where you're stuck. This people, this is a misnomer. I want to just clear this up. And, and, and the misnomer comes from this halacha. The misnomer is that people think that bediavid means if I'm stuck, that's what I'm allowed to do. That's not what bediavid means. Bediavid means comes from the two words. There's two Hebrew words that may or Aramaic words really that make up the word bedi'evad. Bedi'evad means bedi'avad. Once it's already done, now we deal with the established fact. It's like, um, reminds me of the saying that they say, you know, better to apologize than to ask permission, right? 
In other words, sometimes you do something. Really, if you would have asked if you should do it, they would have told you not to do it. Now that you did it, uh, they're happy that the job got done, but you have to apologize for what you did. But the evidence is, a, is, a, is means that something along those lines, meaning the halacha is that you should not do X. If you did X, you fulfilled your obligation, you did what you were supposed to do, it, it's done already, now let's deal with the facts on the ground. Since this is here, it's already done, what's the halacha? So the halacha, when we say, it's okay, what we mean is, once you did it, then it's fine. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. For instance, um, in your kitchen, you know, as you know, you're not supposed to take your milkic spoons and put them into your fleshic pot, right? But if you have, you have a milkic spoon that got somehow got used to stir your fleshic pot, the Rav will probably tell you, ask you, how long since the spoon was used last? And you say, I don't remember. So the Rav will tell you, well, if you don't remember, Chazaka, that, that Kalim are not been a Yoman, probably it hasn't been used for more than 24 hours. And the pot, what's the story of the pot? Uh, I don't remember when the last time it was used for fleshics was. So the Rav will tell you, okay, that's also not fleshic now. So now the soup, the, the power of soup that you're making in your fleshic spot, in your fleshic pot, that you took a milchic spoon and you stirred it, the Rav's going to tell you the pot is fine, the spoon is fine, everything, the soup is fine, everything's okay, right? Well, actually, the soup might, might be a little bit more of a problem. I'm not passing right now, but the soup might be a little bit more wrong. But for sure, the spoon is fine and the, the pot is fine. So you're going to say, well, if it's all fine, next tomorrow night, can I just take a spoon out of my drawer and stir my fleshic pot with my milkic spoon? And Rob's going to tell you, no, you can't do that. That which I'm telling you it's fine is bidiyavad, bidiyavad. Since you already did it, the facts on the ground are now that that spoon is okay. But you're not allowed to do that, what we call lechatchila, ideally, lechatchila, techila, comes from the word techila, to start with. You're not allowed to do that to start with. Once bidiyavad, once you already did it, now the halacha applies in X, Y, or Z fashion. Now, Here's what he's saying over here. Here's the application, which people then take this to mean what B'diyavad means all the time. Um, a common rule in halacha is that any principle which is valid B'diyavad may be utilized when no other option exists. When I'm stuck, right, you, go, you, the, you call up the Rav and you ask him, it doesn't work in this situation, so don't please do not get the wrong message here, but, but you call up the Rav and you say to him, I've used up all my spoons. I only, I need to stir the soup, otherwise it's going to burn. It's a power of soup cooking in a fleshic pot. Can I take my milchic spoon and stir my power of soup in my fleshic pot or not? So, happens with the answer to that question is no, you may not do that. But this principle would say that when you're in a situation where you're stuck, where you can't do anything otherwise, you could rely on the B'di'evet halacha, what the halacha would be in a situation where you already did something to do whatever it is that you're doing. People take that to mean that's what B'di'evet means all the time, which is which is not correct. B'di'evet does not mean that all the time. There are situations in which, um, uh, where there's no other valid, there are, there are no other option exists, you could go ahead and, and do this. So, so since one who listened to the bracha of another is Yotze B'diyavad, when no other option exists, he's fully permitted to be Yotze in this manner um, over here as well, 
even though ideally we would rather you make a bracha on your own, but that's not even a possibility over here. Okay. Now, lastly, reciting a bracha for a group. When a group of people have eaten together, often there are among them those that may be negligent in their obligation to recite a bracha chrono. And frequently there may also be those who are unable to recite alamithya or even barein fashas on their own. Think Kiddush on Shabbos. Unfortunately, many people come to Kiddush on Shabbos, they hear the Rav make Kiddush, they eat a lot of mazonas, they eat a lot of cake, crackers, herring, whatever else it is, and then they go home. And they forget to make a bracha chrona. So very recently, Baruch Hashem and Chari Tfilo, we tried to correct that. And we had a family that came forward and, and donated a bunch of, of bracha chrona cards. So everybody should remember to make a bracha chrona. And we should really, we should really make an announcement at Kiddush, uh, reminding people, please don't forget to go home. Please don't forget to make a bracha chrona before you go home. Because lots of times, unfortunately, people do forget. Before we had those benching cards, not only did people forget, even if people would have wanted to do it, they couldn't do it because they don't know the bracha chrono by heart. Some people don't know al by heart. Some people certainly, when you add Allah Gefen, then they certainly get all confused and you have to have Ritzeva Achalitenu. And then imagine it's Rosh Chodesh, you have to say Chadesh Chodesh Why? It's too confusing. I can't remember all these things, right? I have no idea what, what. So can somebody make, can somebody as I remember that being sometimes the custom that sometimes people, that sometimes the, the rabbi or somebody else would stand up and say, shh, bracha chrona. And then one person would recite bracha chrona for the whole group. Now we've just finished learning in our Hilchos brachos over here that when it comes to making brachas for a whole group, you really shouldn't do that. Everybody really should make their own bracha. It's much better to make your own bracha. How does that work over here? So frequently there may be those who are, so, so over here, one should recite the bracha publicly for all to be ote. It is, it is, a good idea that when we're at a Kiddush, that one person should stand up, we should shush the crowd, one person should stand up and make a bracha achrona for everybody. A better practice would be for everyone to recite the bracha word for word together with the Mavarit. I'll tell you where this comes up all the time. It comes up when you say tefillah saderach. What happens when you're in the car with the whole family, the Gansa Mishpacha, and you want to say you're traveling and you want to say tefillah saderach? How do you do it? So in, what I see that most people do is they shush everybody in the car and one person takes out a sitter. Nowadays, Baruch Hashem, we have phones. You take a phone, you open, open your app on the phone with the sitter, right? And you say, and you say, Tfilos for everybody. Really, ideally, what should be the better practice would be that everybody say Tfilos along with the person who's saying Tfilos and then finish off the last few words ahead of them and answer Amen to their bracha. That's the ideal way to do it. A better practice would be for all to recite the bracha word for word, together with the Mavarich, and then answer, and then hurry ahead and say Amen. Common custom today, however, is to have everyone be yote by merely listening to the Mavarich. Again, that is not um, not the ideal. And also, if um, um, uh, uh, if possible, everyone should be sitting down. If you're going to do this, everyone should be sitting down to hear the benching. It shouldn't be milling around, standing around, walking, certainly not having a conversation or talking to your neighbor or whispering something or trying to, to shush the kids, right? That's that's certainly not going to work. The Ideally, you should, everybody should sit down and listen to the person making the bracha. And even more ideally is that they should try to say the bracha along with the person who's making that bracha word for word. And then they can... They can uh, they can be yotze, they can be yotze the bracha with them. Okay, yeah, 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 there's a very long summary to this to this section. Highly recommended with very, some very nice charts and everything that give you a good overview of what that is. 
I'm not going to read through it. So we're, we are we are going to skip now from page 125 to page 127. And we're going to talk about being Motsi Yotze, not only up to until now, we've been discussing Birkas Hananen, Brachos that are for pleasure. What about being Yotze, somebody uh, somebody with Birkas Hatafila, the Brachos of Davning? Um, whether it's the Brachos at the beginning of Davning, like uh, like Asher Yotzer and Asher Nosan Asakivina, etc., all those brachos, or even Baruch Sha'amar, or even, as you know, Chazar Sashatz and the Shmon Esrei, the re- repetition of the readers, the readers reading of the Shmon Esrei, whether or not he's actually being Yemotzi anybody else like this. So Birkasat Tfilah, the brachos for Tfilah are in a class of their own with regards to the principles of being one person Yemotzi another. This, this is a, brings up a completely different thing than what we've discussed already, which was Birkas HaMitzvah, Birkas Hanenin. Now we get to Birkas HaTfilah, which is a class unto itself. I didn't mean that, pardon the pun on that. A, class, a, a group unto itself. Um, okay, although, although the principle of Shemea Ka'ona applies equally to all brachos, all brachos, a person has this, uh, this capability of Shemea Ka'ona that I can listen to what somebody else is saying and it's as though I've recited the bracha myself. Chazal were unwilling to approve the use of Shomea Ka'one for tefillos. When it comes to tefillah, we would rather not use Shomea Ka'one because every person needs Rachmei Shemayim. Everybody needs their relationship with Hashem. Everybody needs to actually be saying the words. Tefillah is a supplication, an appeal for divine mercy and grace. A person must petition the Almighty for all of his needs personally, not merely by listening to somebody else's supplication. Chazal, however, were nevertheless aware of the limited ability of some of the individuals to recite their own tefillos. Not necessarily, again, let's keep in mind that when, when tefillah was, when they were first masaking the tefillos, when they first set up the principles of saying tefillah, the men of the great assembly, at the time of Ezra's return to Eretz Yisrael at the beginning of the, beginning of the second temple era, at that point in time, at, or there was no such thing as a printing press. There were no sidurim. There was no way to, in fact, most people were probably not necessarily, the large large number of people were not necessarily literate even, right? So that means that knowing what the tefillos are, well, as we know very well from our cell phones, your capabilities of mem- remembering something are much greater when you don't have something that you can write it down on. I remember once going to a seminar and everybody was in the room and the fellow was, was, was lecturing and everybody was taking notes. And he was like, everybody put your pens down right now. And he was looking at what, what, what did we do wrong? He said, if you write notes when you listen to a lecture, you will not remember anything because your brain goes right down that, right out there on that piece of paper. Basically, you are, you, your, your brain automatically assumes that you have a, cl- a crutch to remembering everything. And now... You're not thinking. You're not thinking in a way that's 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 try, that's working for memorization. I think that um, sometimes it works the other way around. Sometimes when you're actually trying to memorize something and you're writing notes so that it so that it becomes something firmer, like an action, it it actually works in the reverse. It's very. It's, the human mind is is unbelievably fascinating. The 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 the, the uh, clues in the and and the differences are. Are, are vast and endless in how the human mind works, but but basically, if we if when we when we have crutches like our phones, right, 
How many people can remember more than 25 phone numbers I, 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 at this point? And I'm not talking about the ones that you remember from when you were children. I'm talking about in the uh, people that you met in the last year. Can you remember 25 phone numbers? I'll bet that most people on this, on this, on this, in this class, 10 years ago, maybe, maybe a little bit more, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, right? Easily could remember 25 new phone numbers a year without any, without I have no doubt that you were memorizing. 20, more than more more phone but we don't remember things anymore so so it's true that they did not have sidurim but i believe that their memories because of that were sharper people people didn't have a capability of writing things down they remembered things however the reality is not everybody was educated and there were many 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 contrary to popular belief there were many 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 amaratsim out there people that knew nothing and could not did not did not even know the basic tfilos um, and how to say them so therefore, the halachas of being Motzi with Tfilah are as follows. When it comes to the Shemona Esrei, to the Amida, one who is able to recite his own Tfilah, um, uh, has, one who is able to, should recite his own Tfilah. The Chazan, the one who is publicly reciting the Tfilah afterwards, um, cannot be Motzi anyone who is capable of reciting his own Tfilahs. One who did listen to the recital of the Chazan with the intention of fulfilling his obligation would have to repeat the Shemona Esrei if he's capable of doing it on his own. One who is unable to recite his own tefillah because he can't remember all the words, he doesn't know all of it, and he doesn't have a sitter available to him, so then he could be Yodze if he listens to the Chazan's recital of the tefillah in the presence of a minion and minion of, of, of 10 people. But listening to tefillah privately um, not in the in the presence of a minion, you are not yotze your chiyav of tefillah. Even when you're unable to recite it on your own, you are unfortunately like the proverbial uh, up the creek without a paddle, right? And basically, you need a minion in order to be able to be yotze. Otherwise, you cannot be yotze your chiyav of tefillah. Okay. When it comes to other sections of tefillah, it is a little bit different. When it comes to first of all. Birkas Kriyashma, the brachos, the blessings around the Kriyashma, the Chazan, um, even if he was already Yotze, could be Motzi, could say the Birkas Kriyashma on behalf of the members of the Kehillah, members of the congregation, um, if there is a minion present. Okay, again, only if there's a minion present. Without a minion, the Chazan cannot help you and you are stuck. When it comes to Kriyashma, um, authorities differ as to whether or not one may be motzi another in the recital of Kriyashma itself. Some maintain that one cannot be motzi another because the reality is, uh, when it comes to the Shema, that's something that almost all of us know ourselves. Um, but others permit one to be yotzi with others in the presence of a minion, and that's a, that's a discussion unto itself, what, what exactly they're arguing about, whether or not you could be yotzi the Chiyav of Kriyashma, when somebody else says it on your behalf. But even if they do, it's certainly not going to work unless you are in, unless you are in a minion, unless you're together with a minion. Um, that would mean, that would, the same thing would apply to a lady as well. She would have to be in the presence of a minion in order to be Yotze her Chiyav of Tefillah if she's hearing it from somebody else and not saying it on her own. Okay, we'll stop over here. Metashem. We will continue. I uh, will pick this up again next week. Please keep a lookout. There will be a special time for for the for the class because there is a Nashe event um, that overlaps with us. So 
Um, I encourage everybody to join the Neshei Chesed for their special event. It's a beautiful organization that does tremendous amounts of good in our community. So I'm happy to make a, a shameless plug on their behalf. That you should all attend their event and I will send out a time, another time either we'll do it on Wednesday night or a little earlier or a little later. I'll take a poll. I'll call a few of you and uh, see what works best. Thank you so much. Have a good night.